Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Hey, I want to share a message today that actually God put in my heart at this same time last year. It was during Gateway, our Gateway Beyond uh, time last year, God just dropped this message into my heart. On the 16th of June last year, I was reading James chapter 4, just in uh, my, my daily devotions. And in James chapter 4, it says that our lives are simply a mist you know, here, here today and uh, gone tomorrow. And uh, that night, I was with one of our Gateway Beyond workers, Morris Lee. And Morris, he was on the video, actually, in, uh, in part of the, the scenes that you saw. And he has been working in Bangladesh, one of the poorest nations in the world, for 43 years, empowering the poor, helping people get lifted out of poverty and uh, seeing whole families redeemed, sharing the good news of Jesus in a, in a country that that desperately needed made huge sacrifices and I was welcoming Morris up onto uh, uh, the stage at this event that I was at and uh, we were celebrating the fact that he had been doing this for 43 years and we put a photo up on the screen of the day he left and he's literally wearing a safari suit (laughs) it's uh, you know it was in the 1970s and as, was, as he's just sitting next to me, we're about to get up, he said, it just seems like yesterday. I can't believe that was 43 years ago. He says, it's gone like that. And as immediately as he said it, God just brought back to me the words of James chapter 4 that I'd read that morning. And he just dropped these words into my heart. Make the most of the mist. Your life is a mist. Make the most of the mist. And I was sitting next to Morris and I know without a shadow of a doubt that he's made the most of the mist. He spent his life lifting people out of poverty, empowering the poor, sharing the good news of Jesus in a way that actually makes sense in their culture and in their context. And many, many people have come to know the living hope that we've sung about today. And I want to encourage us today to make the most of the mist. Let me pray right now. God, just thank you again for Jane's story. Thank you for the way, Jesus, that you change our lives. You you break into our pain and our brokenness and you bring healing and hope. God, thank you for the way that you've done that for Jane. Thank you for the way that you've done that for many of us here in this room. And God, today, may you help us to see your hope today. Remind us today that your story is a better story. Jesus, the message that you've given us, your good news is a better story than any story we'll ever hear in our culture. God, today, would you help every one of us to make the most of this mist that you've given us? Amen. You know, sometimes you, you read a, a passage of Scripture that is deeply ingrained in ancient culture and in ancient language. And all of the Bible is ingrained in ancient culture and ancient language. Some of it, uh, you know, ranging back thousands of years and, you know, written in Greek and in Hebrew. And sometimes you read the Scriptures and you kind of, it, it's so, kind the culture is so different to the culture that we live in today that it, it's actually, 
actually take some time to understand what God is saying to us. All Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is useful for for teaching and for correction and and helping us to understand God. But some of the scriptural story, we've got to kind of read it a few times and understand the culture and understand the context to really get it because it seems so foreign to the context that we're living in today. And then there's other scriptures that that we read and, and it just kind of jumps straight off the page and it seems like those words, even though they're written 2,000 years ago, just are speaking straight into our heart and into our language and into our culture today. James 4 is one of those scriptures. Let me just read it. We're going to read bits of it today as we move through this message. It says, Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. That verse could easily describe the culture that we live in today. Or more precisely, it describes the culture that we lived in pre-COVID. It says, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that. We'll just jump on a plane, a train, an automobile, and we'll go wherever we want, whenever we want. You know, there was a time, do you remember this time? You know, when, when you could, you know, we just had the freedom and the pleasure to, you know, to just jump on any plane, go wherever we want, whenever we want. Spend a year there. It's kind of like time's this unlimited commodity. Time is just at our disposal. It's simply for our pleasure. Carry on business and make money. And we live in a culture today that is obsessed with making money. It's obsessed with with status. It's obsessed, you know, with, with, with getting ahead. You know, the story of our culture could simply be, you know, whoever dies with the most toys wins. You know, it's kind of, that's the, the story of the culture around us today. We just carry on business and make money. But James says this into, our, into the culture back then and into our culture today. He says, why you don't, do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Well, that's turned out to be true in the last two years, hasn't it? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, we started 2020 thinking that, you know, the year would just roll on like every other year. We just go about doing the things that we do, you know, every other year. And then COVID came along and all of a sudden we we realised we didn't quite have control over our lives and over the planet the way that we thought we did. And then we turned over a new calendar this year into 2021 and we thought all of our problems will go away and we're going to get back to normal. And we're still not back to normal. And there's still suffering all over the world and there's still cities in our own nation that are coming in and out of lockdown. There's still all sorts of restrictions going on around us. And I don't think that God made this happen. But I do think that God is doing something, you know, through this pandemic that we're facing to help us to see that we're actually not as in control of our lives and of our future, as we thought we were. But we're actually called to live in complete dependence on Him. I believe one of the things that God is doing through this season is is smashing some of our idols of independence and material wealth and freedom to do whatever we want and just living for pleasure. 
And he's reminding us that he alone is worthy of all of our worship. And it's time to smash some of the idols in our lives. And then James goes on to say, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Well, that's encouraging on a Sunday morning, isn't it? You're a mist. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. You're a mist. You're just droplets of precipitation in the atmosphere. You're a mist that appears at God's command and then disappears in his time. You want to know what your life is, James says? You think you're in control of this whole world and this whole world is about you? Let me put you straight. You're a mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. Your life is a mist. Now James chapter 4 is the only place in Scripture that describes our lives as a mist. But the principle is true right throughout Scripture. Let's go back into the Old Testament. We see Psalm 144. It says, Lord, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them? They are like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. If we go into the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, it says all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. He says you're a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. You're like grass that, that withers and dies. You're like breath that quickly falls away. The point is this. James is saying, your time is not unlimited. Life is short. Morris was right last year when he said, it's gone just like this. Life is short. Life will come to an end and no matter how hard you fight it, and we do fight it, we fight against the misty nature of our lives and Scripture tells us why we fight it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time, but He's also set eternity in the human heart. See, He's made everything beautiful in its time, but He's set eternity in the human heart. He's set eternity in every human heart. You, you can try and ignore it if you like, but you actually know in your heart that you're created you're created for, for more than here and now. You're created for more than just the accumulation of material possessions. You, you see, God did make a morning mist to be beautiful for a time. A morning mist is beautiful, but, but it goes as quick as it comes. God did make grass-filled fields to be beautiful for a time. You know, until, you know, a cow comes along and munches on it or, or the sun comes along and withers it. God did make flowers to bloom in spring and be beautiful for a time. He even made an ugly grub 
like this, just next one. He even made an ugly grub like, uh, next one. No. He even made an ugly grub like this <laughs> to be beautiful for a time. It actually only lives for, next one. We're having trouble with the photos. It actually only is beautiful for a time, but it only lives for seven days. You see, he's set, he's made everything in this world to be beautiful for a time. But he's set eternity in the human heart. He's made you different to everything else that's beautiful in this world. That's why in in Genesis chapter 1, he looked at everything that he made and he said it's good. But then at the end of the chapter, he said, let us make man in our image, in our eternal image. And he said, this is very good. It's different. He actually made people. He made you differently. He set eternity in the human heart. You are not designed to be beautiful for a time. Just turn to the person next to you and say, you are not designed to be beautiful for a time. But let me give you the good news. Before you get a slap in the face, let me give you the, let me give you the good news. You're actually designed to reflect the beauty of God forever. That's the good news. Everything else he's made beautiful for a time. But he's actually made you to reflect the beauty of God forever. You're designed to live for eternity. God has set it in your heart and you know you want it. In fact, our culture that most of the time is so focused on the accumulation of material and possessions, our culture out there that's not sitting in church today actually wants it too. Have you ever noticed that, that when, when somebody dies that everybody loves and has been a blessing in some way to, to, uh, to the community around them, whether they've ever talked about God, whether they've ever talked about eternity, whether they've ever talked about salvation and what Jesus has done for them, it doesn't matter when they die, we all, say, we all go on national TV and say things like, oh, Fred will be up there with the angels looking down on us. There's something in our hearts that knows that life is more than the here and the now because he's set eternity in every single human heart. And we love the beauty of that message. Our whole culture loves the beauty of that message. The bit that our culture doesn't like and is an important part of this story and I want to unpack why it is actually a better story. But the bit that our culture doesn't like is that what you do with Jesus will determine where you spend eternity. That message is not so palatable. What you do with Jesus will actually determine where you spend eternity. We might all be designed for eternity. But what you do with Jesus will determine where you spend eternity. Hebrews chapter 9 says this, Just as people are destined just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. You see, we're all designed for eternity, but we're all destined to die once and to face judgment because of our sin. You see, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, we've been going through this story over the last few weeks. 
You know, God made a perfect creation. He made us to live forever in relationship with him. But, but since the beginning of time, people have rebelled against God, turned their back on God, chased after other idols, looked to fill. You know, you heard Jane talk about it this morning. Looked to fill that emptiness within, inside them with other things. And, and Hebrews sums up the reality of that decision that we've all made. We've all gone chasing after other idols is that we will face judgment for that rebellion against God. We will face judgment for our sin. And actually God said right from the beginning of time, the judgment is death and eternal separation from God. He says, you'll be separated from me. I'm a holy and a perfect God and your sin will actually separate you, separate me from God. But the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the whole Bible is that God didn't simply just say, oh, your sin doesn't matter. No, God said, you must be judged for your sin. God is a just God, but he's also a merciful God. And in his mercy, he chose to take the judgment on himself. He says, just as you will be judged for, destined to die once and judged for your sins, Christ died once in your place as the punishment for your sins. And so he's perfectly just, but he's also rich in mercy, incredibly gracious. His grace towards us is amazing. The, the, the way that he, he made justice for your sins was to be so merciful that he took his sins on he took your sins on himself. That, that on the cross, Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, took your sins and my sins on himself, and he took the punishment for our sin, the very thing that kept us separate from God, that kept us apart from God. He substituted himself in that place and he took your sins. That's amazing love. That's amazing grace. And so we've all got a choice to make, the Bible tells us. We can humbly accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for our sins and be forgiven and come into an eternal relationship with God or we can arrogantly reject God's offer of salvation to forgive our sins and spend eternity apart from him. You see, one of the things that our culture doesn't like talking about anymore is hell. But hell is not something that God ever wanted. Hell is simply provision for those who choose to reject God and say, I don't want anything to do with you. And so we've got the choice. And so if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour and the sacrifice He's made on the cross for you, then you can accept it. There's nothing stopping you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that later. If you haven't done it before, most of us here in this room have made that decision at some point. You've chosen to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And so James here in this passage is actually speaking to people that have made that decision to accept Jesus' sacrifice for them on the cross, but they're going on arrogantly living as if they have all the time in the world to do whatever they want. And so James goes on in verse 15, he says, You ought to say, 
if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. You see, God has set eternity in every human heart. What you do with Jesus will determine where you spend eternity. And Jesus actually came to earth to teach us how to live in the light of eternity. How to spend these few short years we have here on earth for an eternal reward. How to live in the light of eternity or how, in my words, to make the most of the mist. How do you make the most of the mist? Three really key things I reckon uh, Jesus teaches us how to do. Firstly, he says, live generously. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, when you live in the light of eternity, your worry of earthly rewards is actually, you live without worry of your earthly rewards because you're living in the light of eternity. You see, when you live in the light of eternity, you hold on to material possessions lightly because you know what you're holding on to is only temporary. You see, whatever God has given you, you can't take it with you. But what, what, what Jesus is saying in this passage is you can send it ahead of you. You can use whatever God has given you in such a way that you'll store up treasures in heaven. And it goes on in other parts of Scriptures to say it will never perish, never spoil, never fade. That the treasures we have in heaven. So you can't store up treasures on earth, but you can store up treasures in heaven by living a generous life now, I want to encourage us today, be generous with your words. Be, be generous with your wealth. Be generous with your prayers. Be generous with your kindness. Be generous with your story of faith. Be, be generous with your time. Be generous with your love. Be generous with your praise. Be generous with your encouragement. You see, God's economy... It is not measured in what you gain for yourself. In God's economy, it's not the richest guy buried in the cemetery wins. That is not God's economy. But his economy is actually in what you give away to others. That's who wins. Because you're storing up treasure in heaven. So live in such a way that leaves a legacy in the heart of others. You know, when I was a kid... My grandmother didn't want her family fighting over the inheritance when she died. And so she made a decision uh, when I was, I was probably about uh, 12 or 13 at the time and most of my you know, cousins were you know, around uh, that age. And so she made a decision that she didn't want anyone fighting over the inheritance. And so she went around her whole house and put a dot on the back of all of her possessions as to who it was to go to when she died. And so a blue dot meant that was mine when she died. You know, a pink dot, that was my sister's when she died. And it went on, there was this colour-coded system around the whole house. And so we cottoned onto this, you know, as we're just getting into our, our teenage years. And so whenever grandma would leave the room... 
We're turning everything over. We're picking up everything she owned to see whose dot was under it. And, you know, it wasn't long, you know, after uh, Charles and Di were married and there was a whole set, you know, of crockery and spoons. And my sister, you know, got the whole set of Charles and Di memorabilia. You know, there was this massive oil painting on the wall of Captain Cook looking out over Australia uh, like, like this. And, and my dot was behind Captain Cook. As a 13-year-old, I'm thinking, what is that going to do? On my bedroom wall. And, and we'd go around and we'd find the things that we wanted and we think things that we were given that we didn't want and we'd change the dots around. And we'd put our dot on the thing that we really wanted. And then after a while, you know, we, we, we cottoned on to there were some things that didn't have a dot. And so me and, and my cousins, we got our dots and we climbed under my grandfather's 1983 V8 Fairlane and we're all putting our dots, you know, underneath the fair lane because it was, it was the only one in our family who had a V8 fair lane. And we thought, we, we want this fair lane. And my grandfather thought that, you know, VHS was never going to make it and, and, and beat up VCR machines. Who can remember them? They were the goods. And so my grandparents had a v, beta VCR machine before anyone in our family, you know, had a video recorder. We're all putting our dots under the beta, you know, VCR machine. You know, the funny thing is, my, my grandmother lived for another 35 years. <laughs> she, she only died last year. Where do you think that 1983 Fairlane is? Rusting away in some paddock. Charles and Di's marriage didn't last as long as a fair lane. That painting of Captain Cook, I'm not sure what happened to that. My grandmother had given most of the stuff away. Or it had perished, spoiled and faded when she died last year. But there was two things out of all the things I wanted that she left me with my dot on the back. I got a cross stitch <laughs> of a bullock train. It had a dot and it simply says on the back, for Jason, worked by grandma. Pride a place in my shed. And I got a little statue of, I think it's Francis of Assisi. And he sits in my garden. I didn't even know she owned it. And I got absolutely no idea why she thought I wanted it. <laughs> Pride a place in my garden. The only two things I got. My grandmother didn't give me a whole lot of worldly wealth. But my grandmother and my grandfather were the first two people in our family line to become Christians. My grandmother prayed for me every single day of my life. And all of my cousins, our whole extended family, my grandmother was generous with her prayers. She was generous with her time. She was generous with her kindness. She was generous with her encouragement. All of her worldly possessions have perished, spoiled and faded. 
We don't want them anymore. But she's left a legacy in our family. When she died last year, remember, they're the first Christians in our family. When she died last year, we had to fight over who was going to do her funeral. There's seven full-time pastors (laughs) in our family. They're the first Christians in our family. She prayed every single day. All she wanted, she wanted no worldly possessions. All she wanted was for her whole family to know Jesus and be with her in eternity. She lived generously. She did not focus on the accumulation of material goods, but she focused on leaving a legacy in her family and the people around her. Can I encourage you today? Put into action the words of Jesus. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Make the most of the mist. Live generously. Leave a legacy in the next generation. Secondly, love extravagantly. Paul in in Corinthians says, Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul makes it very clear, every single thing in this world is passing away. But three things will remain in eternity. The greatest of these three things is love. Love extravagantly while you're here on earth because love never fails. You know, I've had the privilege as I've been a pastor for 27 or 8 years now. And I've, I've got to pray with and talk with lots of people as they're breathing their last on this earth. I got to pastor them and minister to them in hospital and in their beds as they're passing from one life to the next. Do you know, in all of those years, I have never heard one person on their deathbed say, I loved too much. Not once. I've heard many people say, I worked too much and I now regret it. I've heard others say, I wussed out too much. There's things I wished I'd stepped out in faith to do for God and I didn't do it and I regret it. I've heard others say, I worried too much. I've lived my whole life too worried about what others think of me. You know, too worried about what's going to happen in the future rather than simply seeking first the kingdom of God. I've heard many times people living with those kind of regrets. I've never in all my time heard anyone say, I loved too much. It's the only thing that outlasts the grave is people. Position doesn't outlast the grave. Possessions don't outlast the grave. Pleasure doesn't outlast the grave. To make the most of the mist. Centre your life around loving people, welcoming lonely people, caring for hurting people, feeding hungry people, discipling young people, pointing lost people to Christ. 
That's why James here in this passage, if we use some modern day kind of language, he says, don't be a Christian materialist and make your life all about possessions when you know Jesus. He says, don't be a Christian existentialist and make your life all about your personal freedom. He says, don't be a Christian hedonist and make your life all about pleasure. All that will pass away. But love will remain. Love never fails. Love lasts forever. So love extravagantly. And we see this in the life of Jesus. You know, if there's one time where his love should have run out, there's one time where his love said, I've reached my limit. I don't love you anymore. If there was one time in all of history when his love for you came to its end, it was as he was stripped naked and whipped within an inch of his life. He was spat upon and jeered and he was forced to carry a cross that he was not his to carry. If there was one time in the history of the world where God should have said, you know, that's the end of my love for you. It's run out. It was as his arms were spread wide and he was laid down on that cross and nails were forced through his hands and through his feet. It was as he was lifted up onto that cross, not only in physical agony and emotional agony, but spiritual agony as all of your sins and all of my sins was put upon his shoulders. If there was one time in the history of the world, God should have said, my love has reached its limit for you. It was that moment. But instead, as Jesus breathed out his last, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That's an extravagant love. That is a steadfast love that never ceases. That is a love that knows no limits. And he says, you want to make the most of your mist? Love like that. Love people like that. Because love lasts forever. Love extravagant. Lastly, persevere patiently. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Just get that verse again. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, say it with me, is Eternal. You know, some of you are going through troubles right now that don't seem light or momentary. They actually feel very heavy and you can see no end. In the scriptures, it tells us, but in, in the light of eternity, all of our troubles are light and momentary. This too shall pass. Now, I don't want to be flippant here this morning and I'm not saying that God doesn't care or comfort or heal or renew us day by day. It is exactly what God does do. But I do want us to have a biblical perspective of suffering in the light of eternity. Your troubles, my troubles, whatever they are right now, are light and momentary. And one day the eternal glory you receive will outweigh it all it will so don't give up that's the message whatever troubles you're walking through right now don't give up on Jesus 
Because the eternal glory you receive from Him far outweighs anything that you'll walk through. I want you to imagine today this rope actually goes on forever. And this rope is actually a timeline of your eternity. Just keeps going out the doors, keeps going out to Ipswich, over the Great Dividing Range. This rope never stops. This little bit, this little red bit, can you see see this little red bit here? This little red bit represents your life on earth. In the light of all of eternity, this little red bit here represents your life on earth. This little misty bit of time. When you look at it like this, it'd be crazy to spend all of our time just focused on this little red bit of our lives. All of our worry, all of our energy, all of our thoughts, using all of our money, all of our time, just to make this little red bit feel good. But that's what our world tells us to do. And Jesus says, use this little red bit here, this little bit of time you've got to make an impact for all of eternity, to to leave a legacy that'll never end. To, to actually store up for yourselves treasures in heaven that can never perish, spoil or fade. And so whatever you're going through in this little red bit here, the encouragement from the Bible today, live generously, love extravagantly and persevere patiently. Do not give up on Jesus. He does renew us day by day. But he also empowers us by his spirit to have an eternal impact in the lives of people around us. So the encouragement here is fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Because everything that you see is temporary, but the unseen is eternal. When I fix my eyes on what is seen, my possessions, my positions, my problems, I become consumed by them and lose heart. But when I fix my eyes on what is unseen and what is uneternal, that's why what we do here on a Sunday, worshipping together and speaking and seeing the truth of, of who Jesus is, is so important. It's the way that we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen and and eternal. And we fix our eyes on the one who overcame death and defeated the grave and is alive forevermore. Instead of becoming consumed by all of our problems, all of the things that we've got coming up into the future, we begin to be consumed by Jesus, the living one, the one who defeated death, who rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. And we actually begin to get filled with power to serve Him until He comes again. See, the reason you can give yourself away on earth is because Jesus is alive forevermore. He renews us day by day.
and heaven is our eternal reward. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Confronting words, but also encouraging words. Words that spur us on to live our lives today for an eternal impact. James says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That promotion you're sacrificing your family for, that TV show you're sacrificing your time to, that problem you're worried sick about, it's filling your mind, thoughts every day, it's just a mist. It's just a mist. I actually hope you get a daily reminder to make the most of the mist. I hope that sometime this week you'll be putting on some deodorant And God will just say, make the most of the mist. Maybe you're at work and you've still got to sanitize everything around you. Make the most of the mist. Maybe you're simply cooking a family meal or you're cooking the barbecue, just spraying on the hot plate. Make the most of the mist. Maybe you're going out for a night with friends and you're just kind of spritzing yourself up. <laughs> Make the most of the mist. Here today and gone tomorrow. The most important thing is what you do with Jesus will determine where you spend eternity. I just want to give you an opportunity right now. If you haven't asked Jesus to forgive your sins, to come and to wash you clean, to begin a relationship with the eternal God forever, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today, to become a follower of Jesus today, to become a Christian today. It's open to everybody. And let's go ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. And if today you'd just like to say, I want to make that decision, I want to know God personally. I'm just going to invite you. Well, every eye is closed and head is bowed. I'd love to pray a prayer with you. You can just pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. But I'm encouraging you to just do one little simple step of faith just while every eye is closed and head is bowed, just to raise your hand just for a minute and just say, I'm praying that prayer today. Who here today is just saying, that's my prayer today? Just just stick your hand up quickly, just so I can see it. I'm not going to point you out to anybody else. But if today you'd say, today is my day to pray that prayer, just just stick your hand up just so I can see it, just for a moment. Anyone today, today is your day. Ask Jesus to come and forgive your sins. That's cool. 
encourage you, if you've got some more questions about that, just come and see Dave or one of the prayer team down the front. We'd love to pray for you. But let me pray for us all today. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a God who set eternity in our hearts. And I thank you that when we rebelled against you and we deserved death and separation from you forever, you're so rich in mercy. Your grace was so amazing that you came from heaven to earth. You died on a cross to save us from our sin, that we could know you for all of eternity. We could know your love today and forevermore. Jesus, we just say thank you for what you've done for us. And God, today I pray, I pray that you would help every single one of us to make the most of the mist. God, speak to us right now by your Spirit about how to live generously, how to love extravagantly, how to persevere patiently. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. We're going to finish by uh, singing a song. It's, a, it's an old song. It's a song I love. It talks about the amazing grace of Jesus that we've been given. There's a line in this song that... I think for 30 years I've been singing and I just get overwhelmed by it every time I sing it. It says, We have no less days to sing God's praise than when they first began. What an incredible truth. What a wonderful promise. No less days to sing God's praise than when they first began. Come, let's sing it together. This morning, if uh, this is that word to persevere patiently. Some, some of you here, there's a prayer you've been praying and God's just calling you to persevere and not to give up. Some of you, there's a, there's a call to share, you know, the good news of Jesus and you've been doing it and you've been persevering and you haven't seen the result you want to see yet. And there's a call to persevere. And, and not to give up sharing the good news of Jesus. Maybe some of you are going through a really difficult time right now and you've actually thought about just walking away from God and the church altogether. And he's just saying, persevere. Don't give up. Live life in the light of eternity. Whatever it is, you just know you need God to come and do some renewing in, in your heart and in your mind today. You need, to, you need the enduring strength of God to persevere in whatever He's called you to do. Can I just get you to start to... Hey, I, I'm going to pray, but we might need a few more people down the front just to stand with these guys. Just put a hand on, on a shoulder. Just begin to pray for them. Let me, I'm going to pray, but just let, a, just let the prayer of God, the Word of God, well up in your heart for someone while I'm praying. Get ready to pray it over them. God, I just thank you. I thank you that you are a God that in the midst of our momentary troubles, you renew us day by day by your Spirit. And God, right now, we ask that you would do that. God, you know the troubles, the temptations, the trials, the doubts, the thoughts of giving up that have gone through the minds and the hearts of of people down the front this morning. God, today would you come and renew by your spirit and by your word. God, would you release your life-giving word 
into people's hearts and minds. God, that you would give a a strength to endure. God, that we would pray and not give up. That we would share your good news and not give up. We would continue to walk by faith in you and not give up. God, though the world may not come with us, we choose to follow you and walk to the beat of your drum. God, would you renew us today by your spirit and your word. Come on, just, just begin to pray as we, as we finish our service this morning. Whether you're standing with someone down the front or whether you're in the pews today, just begin to pray for someone. Come on, just lift your voices. Just begin to pray. Just begin to believe that God can do a renewing work right here, right now. Come on, come on church. Just pray. Just pray a blessing over these guys. Pray that God will renew by His Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, minister in power. Minister your grace. Minister your healing. God, would you restore hope today? God, just to see just hope just filling up in people's hearts. God, would you restore hope in Jesus' name? Come on, just keep praying. Just believing. Believing together for God to do His miraculous work in our lives and in our hearts. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.